Welcome to the Future of Risk podcast from Zurich, North America. I'm Renee Koa. Any size business is vulnerable to lawsuits made by employees. Claudine English, Zurich's Employment Practices Liability, Crime, and Fidelity Product Officer, is here to discuss five litigation trends that companies need to be aware of, as well as some practices that can help manage and minimize your business's risks. Claudine, thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Can we start with a general discussion about employee litigation? What are the types of lawsuits we're talking about? Well, let me start off by saying that most employers endeavor to treat their employees fairly and comply with applicable employment laws. But unfortunately, as you know, we hear in the news all the time, mistakes, bad actors, you know, there's even economic downturns that contribute to the litigation. So what I'll say is when one of these examples occurs, there's violations of employment practices, lawsuits, and they come from former, current, even prospective employees, and that's what's going to ensue. Interestingly, the range of these suits is wide. It includes things like discrimination, sexual harassment, um, wrongful termination, retaliation, failure to promote, negligent evaluation, failure to employ, and that's just to name a few, right? And that list seemed to, you know, pretty exhaustive. Um, and as I'm mentioning, this is not an exhaustive list. There's many more. Okay. And all of that means that there's a driving need for Employment Practices Liability Insurance, or EPLI, right? That's right. So I should point out that historically, EPLI has long been viewed as a discretionary coverage for companies. I personally think um, that that may be because some directors and officer liability insurance buyers felt that in that policy, the definition of wrongful act was broad enough to cover allegations made against their insured persons. And quite frankly, there were a lot of organizations that felt that these complaints were something that they could handle internally. Um, that's not always the best course of action. And what we're seeing is that companies of all sizes, can be subject to these very costly complaints. And it's certainly impacted by social movements like the hashtag MeToo, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And even the COVID pandemic has compelled companies to start reconsidering uh, purchasing EPLI. One thing's for sure, Renee, and that's EPL claims are shining a spotlight on the deficiencies of a company's internal policies or even a lack thereof. Okay. And Claudine, we say this a lot at Zurich, but it bears repeating. Insurance cannot replace risk mitigation. Companies need to take proactive and proper measures too, right? 100%. You know, it's as important as EPLI is, and it is, organizations really must take a variety of proactive measures to help stem the tide of this employment litigation in the first place. So these lawsuits and you're going to hear me say this a lot throughout this discussion, affect companies of any size and all types of businesses. So whether it's public, private, not-for-profit, no company is immune from complaints or charges made against them for employment practices violations. So let's talk about the five key areas for business leaders to consider, both from a risk perspective as well as the proactive measures their organization can take. First, 
EPL claims are rising in severity. They certainly are. So since, oh gosh, probably 2016, overall charges from the United States Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, and I'll get into more detail about that regulatory body uh, shortly, you know, those charges typically precede an EPL claim. They've been declining. And, you know, partly that's because of a strong labor market that lets dissatisfied employees find other jobs more readily. Unfortunately, though, the flip side of that is the severity of these claims continues to escalate. So let's consider um, a Los Angeles jury, which recently awarded more than $464 million to two men who had accused their employer of forcing them out of their jobs when they complained about sexual and racial harassment. So the jury awarded uh, almost 25 million in compensatory damages and approximately $440 million, I believe, in punitive damages. And let me just say that that number is going to increase significantly once attorney's fees are calculated. Wow. And I will tell you, we can't discuss EPL claims without mentioning the impact of social inflation. A lot of people hear that term and are kind of unsure what it means. But when you talk about employment practices, liability claims, and the ensuing lawsuits, you got to discuss social inflation. And that is simply, or maybe not so simply, a term that refers to the rising cost of insurance claims that result from things like increased litigation, broader liability definition and higher jury awards, as I've just noted, and it's putting EPLI solutions at the top of many boards' agendas as they consider costs. And when I say costs, I don't just mean financial, I mean reputational as a result of these lawsuits. So monetary costs in defending these claims are rising, but reputational costs must also be considered. Large settlements, um, runaway jury awards, and as I mentioned, the EEOC, you know, regulatory fines not only directly hit a company's bottom line, but let's think about this. They create headlines that can cause irreparable harm to an organization's brand, and you see that all the time. You just have to, you know, open up your your news app and, and, and you'll read all about it. It's important to consider also jurisdictional factors, and by that I mean specifically states that are particularly challenging for companies that are involved in these EPL lawsuits. So, for example, California, you know, their employment laws are probably one of the most far-reaching in the U.S., and what they do is they're providing workers with significantly greater levels of protection than those offered by, you know, other states or even the federal laws. So the cost to settle a claim also have grown exponentially in California than outside the state. So there's a lot of factors that really contribute to the rise in severity of these claims. Okay, and in a sense that leads to um, consideration number two, the government is getting involved. Yeah, absolutely. Regulatory scrutiny is increasing. So I mentioned the U.S. Equal Opportunity Commission, also known as the EEOC for short, and they are accelerating their commitment to fighting systemic discrimination. And I think it should be defined. I think folks need to understand exactly what that means, because it is institutional policies and and procedures that put underserved groups at a disadvantage in the workplace. So to give you some additional background, 
EEOC is the regulatory body that's responsible for enforcing federal laws that make it illegal to discriminate against a job applicant or an employee because of a myriad of reasons. So it could be a person's race, religion, sex, and that includes pregnancy, um, sexual orientation, uh, transgender status. Um, you cannot discriminate on the basis of national origin, age, if you're 40 or older. Uh, disabilities or even genetic information. And it's important that I don't think many organizations realize that they're covered by these EEOC laws or subject to them because most employers with at least 15 employees are going to be covered by these laws. So these federal laws apply to all types of work situations. And what I mean by that is hiring, firing, promotions, you name it, wages, benefits, um, it all applies. It's a lot to digest for an organization. So let me point to the EEOC's 2021 annual performance report. And what this is, it's a report that sets forth how the EEOC plans to use its enforcement capabilities, along with their education and outreach, but what they're doing to combat discriminatory patterns, practices, policies that impact an industry that impact a company or even a geographic area. And I cannot stress this enough that employers really should read this report to get a deeper understanding of the EEOC's initiatives in order to promote an inclusive workplace and in order to hopefully circumvent a lot of these pitfalls. So I think, Renee, it's important for me to just highlight just some of the uh, report. So, for example, just to add some color to this. Sure. The EEOC resolved, I think it was just under 350 systemic investigations and obtained more than $24 million in monetary benefits for victims of discrimination. That's a lot. Uh, in addition to the resolutions, um, they included targeted equitable relief, and that equitable relief really means changes to employment practices, um, future discrimination prevention, and it really was to bring employers into compliance with the law. So it resolved 26 systemic lawsuits and obtained over $22 million for almost 1,700 individuals. Now, let me be clear about what systemic discrimination suits mean. That typically alleges that more than 20 individuals were victims of discrimination by an employer. That's a lot. And such claims are, as you can imagine, much more costly to defend and settle than those which challenge or allege, excuse me, employer discrimination against a single employee or a group of less than 20 folks. So. You know, and the EEOC filed 13 new systemic lawsuits. So there's a lot going on there. There's a lot of very pointed discriminatory um, focus by the EEOC in order to combat the discrimination. And let me just point out one more thing before we move on. Retaliation. Retaliation continues to be the most frequently filed claim included in charges. And that's 56% of all charges that were filed in 2021 represented a retaliation claim. I'll say that discharge and wrongful termination is still a leading driver of employees bringing these claims, but you see retaliation in that mix. Look, the bottom line is I fully expect that 
litigation trend to continue throughout the remainder of 2022. I think that there's going to be a, you know, a continued focus likely on pay equity, um, diversity and inclusion, sexual harassment, and LGBTQ issues for the foreseeable future. Wow, that's great, Claudine. And I do want to add that we are going to include a link to the EEOC 2021 report on our episode show notes. That's great. So let's move to number three, poor behavior. What are some of the red flags businesses should be mindful of that could increase or aggravate EPL claims? Well, let me just name a few, but there are several and I'll probably get into them later. But a few red flags that I think, you know, employers really need to watch out for are a lack of written policies, failing to keep abreast of applicable federal and state employment laws that have to be followed. And there's something else that I've seen, and I saw it a lot during the pandemic, um, certainly highlighted, was a failure to accommodate your workforce. And what that means is an employer doesn't provide reasonable accommodation as required by federal state law. So it's a violation, for example, of the American with Disabilities Act. When you fail to provide reasonable accommodation to a known physical or mental limitation of an individual with a disability. And the only reason where you would not have to do that is if it would impose an undue hardship on the operation of your business. Also, we were seeing during the pandemic especially, and again, by we, I just mean, you know, across the country, it's not specific Zurich, is inconsistent application of accommodations. Anytime I speak on this topic, I always say, that companies need only look at the EEOC or the Department of Labor or really any other regulatory body's websites to determine what not to do. It's a very good resource to figure out where these agencies are focusing their efforts, potential red flags, what they're looking for, as well as best practices when you're navigating what are very complex and evolving uh, employment landscape. And we are going to be providing also a link to the EEOC guidelines on the episode show notes. So, Claudine, are there any other red flags you wanted to mention? Sure. Um, there are several, not the least of which are also delayed or inappropriate responses to an employee's complaints. You know, you really risk the accusation of being indifferent, which can certainly harm your defense should the situation be brought to court. You know, it also includes inadequate investigation and poor documentation of the employee's complaints. You know, you can't take a lackadaisical approach to that or a different approach to an employee's complaints. And certainly you can't do that when it comes to the employment laws. Um, I will say another red flag would be the inexperienced or untrained management. You know, that can really create unnecessary and avoidable problems. And it also promotes systemic discrimination, even unwittingly. Okay, so that's good to know. Now, with number four, we're taking a more positive spin. What are some of the proactive, helpful, good practices companies may want to consider implementing? Sure, so I alluded to this already, but as I mentioned, be familiar with regulatory bodies guidance, specifically the EEOC, and compare your internal practices and policies against it, you know, and deploy risk mitigation protocols 
that's to me just, you know, a no brainer. Uh, additional considerations that I think folks could include would be developing and distributing an employee handbook and corporate policies, but you have to ensure that your employees read them. You know, having your policies and procedures in writing really could help protect against EPL claims or certainly assist in mitigate, mitigating damages. You know, these documents set the standards and objectives for not just your management, but your employees. Of course, you know, it is important to draft them in accordance with government regulations. And I always tell folks whenever you can, it's so important to have legal counsel review them. Audit your handbook. That's the other thing. Audit that handbook. Audit your policies and procedures. I would say at least annually would be sufficient, um, but certainly every organization is different. But in my humble opinion, I would say annually, just so your communications remain up to date on current federal and state regulations. We see the employment legal landscape changing daily and certainly on a state level. There's so many in California, Illinois, Ohio, so many other states where the regulations, there's bills that are that are pending. So companies need to keep abreast of that, especially when you have operations in multiple states. Um, you know, consider posting those policies throughout your workplace, which in some states is a requirement anyway. And as I already mentioned, you know, you got to monitor these changes and the laws. Just make sure you're compliant. And I say this and I will say it over and over again because it's important and bears repeating because ignorance, as we know, is no uh, defense. And I would also say uh, establishing human resources department or a functional equivalent, if practical, um, you know, that is so key and make sure that it's staffed with trained professionals and that they help promote and draft policies that are going to pass regulatory muster. Claudine, I assumed every company has an HR department. Is that not so? It is not. Look, small businesses often don't have HR professionals or the resources to develop a formal policy or procedure or department in place that can help prevent these employment-related charges. It can't be used as an excuse and certainly not a defense to circumvent employment laws, and I'm not insinuating anyone would. But it is certainly with respect to companies that can't afford to maintain a dedicated HR department, it is prudent to consult with an employment lawyer. If the company, though, and here's the good news, if the company is an, an, an employment practice liability insurance buyer, take advantage of, of the myriad of loss prevention services your EPL carrier may provide. So things like tools and information to help avoid situations that can lead to an employment claim. I'll say that many of these services include things like educating employers about unlawful employment practices, things like inappropriate behavior, behaviors, how to identify them, how to deal with them, um, appropriate risk management techniques, um, access to EPL risks and loss examples. That's always key to help give employers an idea of where uh, the red flags could be. And they also oftentimes provide sample employment policies and procedures as well as other important resources. That is terrific information. Uh, and are there other things companies can do before we move on to number five? Yeah, absolutely. You know, in today's business and legal climate, um, it's certainly different than it was years ago. 
I'll say that employees are more aware of employment laws. They're more aware of their rights and how to even exercise those rights by taking action against their employers. As I mentioned before, employees see a lot of things on the news. There's a lot of coverage and publicity, and rightfully so, about employment cases and awards, you know, uh, against employers, whether it's bad actors or anything else. And that certainly encourages employees to file their own claim. But the question is, you know, what can employers do to combat this? So, as I said, create that internal robust investigation process. Respond swiftly and appropriately to employees' complaints and maintain that appropriate documentation. Do that periodic training for your management. You know, it comes from the top down. So really establish training to ensure that your management is effectively and compliantly engaged with their employees. You know, if possible, and I know that this is not, you know, for every size employer, but where possible, consider hiring a diversity officer. You know, that's really helpful to ensure that your organization's hiring and promoting with fairness and inclusivity. Uh, you know, this individual can also communicate the importance of diversity to your staff and even oversee training programs for employees. You know, perform a pay equity audit. That's another service that a lot of EPLI uh, markets are offering. Even in 2022, pay inequalities still exist across this country. We hear it all the time. So find out where your organization is falling short. And again, keep detailed documentation of your policies related to wage and hour matters. And I would say, you know, also ensure that adequate COVID-19 protection measures still remain in place. You know, you're seeing COVID variants. So yes, things are starting to get back to where it was. I'm not sure it ever fully will be, right? So we're still dealing with this pandemic. So safeguard your employee vaccination information. Handle accommodation requests in a fair and consistent manner. Don't just discard COVID-19 because people are starting to return to work and thinking that it's business as usual. Great. Now, uh, last but not least, number five, it focuses on our favorite topic here, which is insurance. What does EPLI do? You alluded to some of the benefits, but can you give a more uh, comprehensive answer? Absolutely. So let me just say, a company can do everything right to follow best practices and policies, but that doesn't stop employees from filing lawsuits. And I don't think that companies realize the pool of parties that can file a claim against them. So it's both current and former employees. You got to think about third parties like customers and vendors, for example, all these individuals can file lawsuits against your business if they believe that their rights have been violated. So the EPL insurance policies can address claims that I previously mentioned, but let me go through a list of, of some of these claims that they can address. So harassment from senior managers, supervisors, coworkers, even non-employees, uh, discrimination based on religion, age, all those things I mentioned before. Uh, wrongful termination, retaliation, right? Leading charge, 56% of all charges represent retaliation. Um, wouldn't it be great if you had a partner that can help you navigate this? Negligent evaluation, failure to hire or promote, and wrongful discipline, and that's just to name a few. So employers really need to be keenly aware also that this litigation is costly. You know, not only can the litigation itself be prolonged, 
including, you know, costly attorney's fees and a protracted discovery period. But geez, let alone runaway jury awards, it really can cause irreparable damage to a company's brand. And even if a company is exonerated, there are substantial litigation costs that can severely impact a company's bottom line, especially when you think about small private companies or in the case of a systemic violation, even large public companies. So what EPLI can do is really help protect your business from employee lawsuits that allege either an unfair or inappropriate acts or acts committed against them by someone who represents your company, as well as the legal costs that are incurred. So it's not only important for organizations to have this protection, but it's also key that they have sufficient coverage limits. And let me also say, insureds can tap into superior claims handling and expertise by their carrier. I'll end on this because it is so important when you are partnering with a trusted insurance professional that can assist you in navigating even the most daunting employment claims. What it does is provide a very much needed support system, guidance, and certainly comfort during a very uncertain and challenging time. Claudine, you have been so helpful and terrific with all of this information. Thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your insights. Well, I really enjoyed the discussion and I truly enjoy what I do. And I hope that it provided valuable insight into the challenges facing companies of all sizes in this legal environment. So thank you for having me. Future of Risk, presented by Zurich North America. If you like the show, we'd appreciate it if you left a comment or review wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Let us know what you think at media at ZurichNA.com and join us next week. The information in this audio recording was compiled from sources believed to be reliable for general information purposes and is intended for Zurich clients and business partners. The information contained here may be useful to you or your enterprise when developing your own policies and procedures. The policies and procedures applicable to your enterprise should take into account the specific circumstances of your business and business environment, which is beyond the capacity of this podcast. Any and all information provided is not intended to constitute advice of any nature and is specifically not legal advice, and accordingly, you should consult with your own legal counsel. We do not guarantee the accuracy of this information presented or any results and further assume no liability in connection with this recording and the information provided therein. Moreover, Zurich reminds you that the information provided cannot be assumed to contain every acceptable safety and compliance procedure or that additional procedures might not be appropriate under the circumstances. The subject matter of this recording is not tied to any specific insurance product, nor will adopting these policies and procedures ensure coverage under any insurance policy. We encourage listeners to seek additional information from credible sources. Thank you.